Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast, a mini-sode. I'm Emily. I'm Layla. Yes, and it's just us girls. Uh, Andrew had to take <laughs> off, so here we are. I have uh, Princess K. Fisher begging for my attention. That's my cat. And my tuna is nowhere to be seen. I have no idea she's where she's... Chasing imaginary bugs up walls. Yeah, potentially. She, I've been actually kind of worried about her the last couple of days because she's been like, um, yeah, she's been like over grooming her legs, which is a sign of stress. Aww. And I don't know what that's about. So I, yeah, so I tried to like, I've just been trying to like be super gentle and super kind to her. But I think now she's starting to like take advantage <laughs> a little bit. And um She's like manipulating me into putting treats on top of her food. Oh yeah, she eats. Uh, Carrie does that too. <laughs> but I'm doing it. <laughs> Carrie will just jump up on her cat tree, and her food is on the cat tree because we were having an ant problem. So I okay, I right. Put the food up on her cat tree, and it's on one level. And if I know if she jumps to the level above that, she wants she wants a treat. <laughs> It's actually gone to the point where, like, if I annoy her, then she knows she's going to get a treat right after. Like, if I go check to see if her claws need to get trimmed, <laughs> she'll she'll just immediately run up to the cat tree. Just okay, okay, you you, you made you made me upset, and now I treat. That's what happens. <laughs> oh, she's a little genius. I think it makes her a very tolerant cat. Yes, totally. Which is like nothing to complain about, really. No. I don't think so. She's, I mean, she's, she'll put up with a lot. Like she's so scared of strangers and stuff, but she doesn't swipe at anybody. She's only cut me once. Oh, tuna swipes at people. She'll always give you a warning and she'll never hold a grudge. Yeah. But like when it's necessary, she will definitely swipe. Carrie will paw at you and she only sometimes she does the claws out when she gets too excited when she's playing. But yeah. But other than that, she like when she she hurt me, I think she felt really bad about it. Okay. <laughs> and the worst part was it was right before I left for the Timber Festival. So um, for the listeners, that's a music festival I work. And it's a camping festival, which means I have to drive and I don't come back from I'm gone Wednesday night until Sunday afternoon. So it was like Wednesday morning, she swiped at me, she cut me, and I was like, of course, now I'm going to go to this festival, I'm going to get like all this dust and dirt and nastiness in this little wound. And then she's like, oh no, I, I hurt, I hurt, you know, my my human. I think she felt bad about it. And then I didn't come home until Sunday. And then apparently oh, Thursday no. going to Friday at three in the morning, our, we have a defective smoke alarm that goes off sometimes, but it's never gone off when we weren't home. And of course, this time it did at 3.30 in the morning. And uh, so this poor cat just giving this like terrifying, uh, I'm sure to her, sound that she's never heard before because it happened a couple times right before we got her about a year ago and hasn't happened since. And then there's fire, the firefighters come, they're banging on the door. They're like a step away from like grabbing an ax and like knocking down our door. When our neighbor wakes up, our nosy neighbor, God bless her. 
And she says, they're not home. They're not home. <laughs> gives them Rick's phone number. And so finally the, the fire department gets in touch with us. And we're like, no, it's fine. We're really sorry for the inconvenience. But, uh, Oh, my oh, that God. poor cat. I'm surprised she didn't. I'm surprised yeah. she didn't leave a poop somewhere. Like, <laughs> I'd have pooped myself. <laughs> Certainly. Oh, Carrie. Oh, Carrie. But uh, again, it's a, turning into a cat podcast. <laughs> so we were talking um, in the main episode a little bit about you know, kind of knee-jerk reactions people have to especially well you know everywhere in life but I think one place that we experience it a lot is women in the guitar community is in gear groups on Facebook and I know you and I are in a, a couple of the same ones and today someone posted of course today is going to be uh several weeks ago for the listeners <laughs> there's uh in the ugly guitar group a picture of Nita Strauss and Courtney, whose last name escapes me. And Lena, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the meme of this one before. Cause some, the guy who posted actually cut out the, the crappy meme part, but normally, Oh no. Have you seen it? Nope. Never. Oh gosh. Well, it's um, a little graph and it shows this picture. And at the top is a little, it says, this is why guitars are shaped like this with the curve and not like this with just like a completely flat shelf. Um, so because their breasts are sitting right in the upper bout of of the guitar so the poster was nice enough to cut out the meme part but of course guys just were making that joke anyway yeah and and it's just funny to me like it's not funny at all but uh a lot of those guys anyway they were just making the exact same joke from the meme and some of them got really defensive and i was i was pretty abrasive this time i'm usually not so abrasive but man i just i hate that meme well i think that yeah i think there's i mean it's i i don't even know really what to say about it it's the first time i've like sort of seen this image and i it's the first time that i've seen you know or even heard about like what what's written usually above the meme like part of it's just so stupid it's so like middle school. Yeah. Like I, yeah. And, and actually like, yeah. Anyway, I mean, you and I, Emily have talked about like, like what makes a guitar, you know, comfortable, like to play, like, you know, and I don't know, like it's anyway, it's just like, it's just so dumb. And it's actually like, yeah, I mean, obviously inaccurate, but it's just so dumb. Um, I mean, I've had I've heard guys ask like, "Oh, do women put like their breasts there on purpose?" I'm like, well, it's more comfortable than squishing it up against your boob. Yeah. Like, it's definitely more comfortable. I mean, I'm a bustier woman. It's kind of unpreventable unless you want to wear your guitar like at, at crotch level, like Joan Jett did. Like, I play things that mean I have to get higher up on the neck. And it's just more comfortable when my guitar is higher up on my body, but I'm not doing it for show. I mean, I'm a, again, a busty lady, but like it's one of my biggest insecurities when playing is just that people are going to make that exact 
connection and it's sort such a bummer to see it it's also yeah like i mean it's just like it's another sort of you know it's another way that ultimately yeah it's another way that ultimately like your you know playing or performance just doesn't ever get to be about playing and performance because there's all these risks for people to basically derail it in this way that just basically comes down to your gender and your body and it's so dehumanizing yeah it absolutely is like like, I, i get thinking a rock star is a as a product like from a music industry perspective but i mean women especially as soon as you're up on that stage like people don't see you as a human being anymore and i've had lots of men say this is i've i know lots of men who have been in bands with women and thus became very like protective of the kind of crap that happened to these women who fronted their bands and were in their bands uh what happened when they were on stage and what happened after they left the stage and rules about Mm. like don't nobody stands at the merch booth by themselves right yeah not that i've ever been hit on after a show but you know like i don't know i'm just looking through this thread right now and like there's you know there's literally people like posting more photos of you know women playing guitars and like just sort of like I don't know, just the, that, or women playing drums or whatever, where like the sort of, um, where like the, the object of the photo essentially is whatever their chest is doing. Yeah. Like, like it's just, yeah, it's absolutely dehumanizing. And I don't know. And then at the same time, when it's sort of called out, there's like all these people that are like, what are you talking about? I don't hate women or like, I don't know, man. I kind of think you do. It's like, yeah. Nico case has that song. uh, Poets have an odious business, uh, loving women, kind, like lions love Christians. I'm like, I kind of think it's that kind of love. Hmm. Like very, very much about consumption and not an actual sort of like relationship kind of thing. And I'm sure I'm sure these guys love their wives and I'm sure they love their moms. But if you don't respect women in general, then you don't respect your partner. Like, yeah. Not to mention like just how annoying it is when, you know, when people basically need to, you know, think about the actual women in their lives to somehow like make the link between, you know, between all as, women as a or father to... of daughters yeah exactly like, it's oh, just, like really like you went through your whole life you know until you had daughters like just being a total jerk mm-hmm. like I feel bad for everyone involved in your life right now like it's just oh it's so I don't know it oh, doesn't yeah. have to take that in order to empathize with and I'm not sure it does, but part of me thinks it's it's that sometimes men feel the need to sort of bring it back and make it about themselves. Oh, interesting. Like, like oh, like I can relate because even though I'm not a woman, because I have daughters, I'm like, you should be able to relate because you're a human being. Yeah, you this is ostensibly had a mother. Yeah, it's not like come on, just just you don't have to make it about yourself. 
guys. It's it's okay for not everything to be something that you can bring back to your personal experiences. I mean, and this isn't something that's exclusive to men. Like women do this all the time. I basically broke up with a friend because every single thing that happened to me, she had to one up me. And it was like bad things. And like, oh, my great grandmother died. Oh, well, my grandmother is dying. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I mean, I think that like I see like, a, yeah, I see a bit of a difference there. Like I see, you know, it kind of sounds like your friend was, you know, like self-involved or like couldn't sort of, you know, couldn't share the space like in the kind of relationship versus like, you know, I don't know, like this sort of, maybe it is just about dudes like making it about themselves, but like, um, yeah, but I always get sort of the impression that it's like, like, I don't know. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have any empathy for, um, you know, I didn't have any empathy for, you know, cats until I, met one in person it's just like you shouldn't need to have met anybody in person or like had a baby yourself to sort of know that children deserve to be loved and respected you know like it's just like like these are like sort of just basic human values I feel and there is I don't know but I hear what you're saying that that maybe my perception is off that maybe people express themselves in this way as oh, like a, I'm sure it's a combination I mean you look back at have you ever like read a Beastie Boys interview about their earlier work and how they basically no. was like oh I grew up and then I realized you shouldn't say words like retarded as insults I'm like yeah but I mean like in the homophobic stuff did you really have to like be an adult to to understand the golden rule I mean you treat right. people the way you want to be treated. You don't want to be called bad words or insulting words. Then maybe you shouldn't call other people those things. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, like, I don't know, like if they're, if they're sort of talking about it regretfully, like, you know, it's like, it's better than just sort of being like, well, I've used that word my whole life and I'm not about to stop, you know, I mean, oh, there's it's way better. Like it's, it's, it is better to be like sort of self-reflexive and, yeah. um, and, because we all have that capacity. But I mean, it's like, you know, like when I'm noticing just what's going on in this group, like, and, and any posts that I've seen in these groups that have to do like where people are basically called out on misogyny, the response is always the same. Like the response is basically you know, a defensiveness about like, it's almost as though somebody is reminding them that there's women in the room or there's queer people in the room or like, it's like, it's as though people are behaving as though, you know, it's only sort of like, I don't know, like straight white bros in, in the room. And then when somebody is like, Psst, like, I'm here too, they're shocked and kind and of so offended. so defensive. Like, there was a guy in 60 Cycle Hum yeah. who, uh, he, he started this thread. He was mad that someone was trash talking his product. He, he sells amplifiers um, for another company. And he said that someone should, you know, punch the commenter in his quote, vagina. And I responded, vagina, huh? And the guy responded yeah. with some really disgusting joke. And... 
um, that, you know, Andrew would get mad if I said out loud or he would just bleep. I'll just let him bleep it. He said it would, it would be like. Oh. And so I responded uh, just simply WTF. And then the guy, I think, finally looked at my very feminine name. And his apology was just that I never would have said that if I knew there were any girls in this group. I it, like, no. So you're not sorry that you said something that's just, you're sorry. You way gross. You sorry. You're sorry. You got caught. You're like, you're sorry that your mom saw you flipping her off. I've been there. Like, like just own up to why you feel bad. And it's not that, Oh gosh. Yeah. That was a terrible thing to say. Period. It was like, Ooh, I shouldn't have said that around a lady. Yes. Yeah, it was. So that's like an exact experience that I've had where and then the other guys in the group were super defensive of me in a good way. And uh, this guy just would not get to the point that, no, you shouldn't say that because, you know, women are buying half the guitars and like the new half the new guitars sold are being sold to women and women who buy the guitars need to buy amps and you need to buy effects. So if you're selling guitars, pedals, amps, straps, and you are tolerant of or perpetuating this really gross toxic masculinity or misogynistic culture, like women, one true stereotype about women is that we talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And I know that there, and you've seen it too, women will go to their safe places that we don't have to name and... They will tell other women, and I think all these women have in the back of their minds like a do not buy list. Well, and and rightfully so, but I think it was like on that. I think it was on that same, uh, on that same sort of post, perhaps. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, um, where it was the the sort of business owner or whatever was basically saying like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, cut out this huge, you know, like cut out sort of this population of people that, that buys my stuff. Meaning if I, you know, call out dudes who were behaving toxically, you know, that's a huge part of my market, but it, it, it sort of, I mean, it absolutely denies the fact that First of all, it probably is not a huge part of the no, market. I, I but told, like, and this, I, I know, remember what you're talking about. I told the guy, like, 90% of the people who are active in your group now will still be active if you tell them they can't post sexist memes and stuff. Yes, and exactly. Like, well, what, what's going to happen but when I lose are... 10% of people? I mean, will you have the potential to gain the other 50% of the market or lose them forever? Well, exactly. It's simple math but I think there's I think there's still this sort of I think it's a symptom of still you know sort of creating a culture where it's like where basically women and queer and non-binary folks are completely ignored and effaced from you know music the community all these things and then is sort of like you know so so it's geared toward a very specific population and like you say is not actually like the vast majority of the population consuming but then we are left to sort of just grasp at whatever is left or we're left to make you know difficult decisions around like we were talking about in the previous podcast like you know 
or actually it wasn't in the podcast. It was before that, but like, you know, buying a pedal, um, that we really want, but like knowing it's coming from a manufacturer that supports misogynistic behavior, you know, like yeah. it's, it's like, it's like being a Louis CK fan or a Woody Allen fan yeah. or like a Roman Polanski fan. Like, should you discount their art because they're bad people? And I'd argue, yeah, you know, there's a lot I, of great art being made out made right now that you don't have to support predatory people or people who, you know, promote sexism in some sort of way or slut shaming or, you know, the kind of thing that happened to me. Um, yeah. You don't have to give those people your money because there's so many people out there who are doing these wonderful things. And it's kind of like this argument I've seen several times about Louis CK, like, well, like this is his career. And are you going to deny him his career because he did this, really gross and terrible thing nobody i don't really think that you can deny this this was sexual assault mm-hmm. that he did and you think what about all of the the women who literally left the business because men like him were so predatory and they just couldn't yeah, take it anymore yeah what about their careers and what about like their sort of you know access to survival and like all that stuff. And, and just what about like consequence? Like, how is it, you know, how are we comfortable with people who cause harm, not experiencing any consequence? Like we're totally, it's like the idea that he would experience a consequence seems unjust versus like the completely disproportionate um, consequence that all of these women experienced like as a result of already like experiencing harm by him like we're comfortable with that we're like oh they got a job somewhere else well Well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't i mean sometimes they have to go to therapy for the rest of their lives and for sure like i I think that every woman has like those kinds of stories and the kinds of stories that if you if and when you tell the men in your life they're they're shocked like they're they're stories that you know um women women in my life have told me that I was, I'm pretty sure they've never told anyone else and they're just, they're horrifying, they're assault and they didn't do, they, they couldn't do anything about it. There was no right. repercussions for it. I mean, I had a friend who, gosh, I don't want to even get into it, but um, I remember Rick was driving this friend and I home and we were kind of talking about our, you know, sh- cat calling street harassment stories and I always mm-hmm. tell one of I always tell mine is jokes because it makes it easier for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was in New York and I was walking down the street and I was like looking at my phone. I was texting somebody probably. And a guy, a young guy comes up to me and says, who are you texting, baby? I'm right here. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I keep walking and he just follows me for like a block and a half just saying, who are you texting, baby? I'm right here. I mean, I'm right here. Why are you texting me? And, and uh and the joke is I had to dunk into a Blimpies to get away from him. And then I had to eat at the Blimpies and that was worse. Right. Like, it's funny. It's true. That is actually the situation. And then I really was like, and now I have to eat at Blimpies on top of all that? Yeah. But my friend was telling, then she told her story, which was basically she was walking home alone at night. And this guy's kind of walking behind her and they get stopped at a light or whatever. And the guy leans over to her and he says... If I chased you, do you, do you think you could outrun me? Oh, God. And then Rick dropped my friend off, and we were kind of driving home. And I turned to him, like, what did you think of her story? And he said, I didn't know that things like that really happened. 
Right. And he's, you've met him. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a woke kind of guy. I doubt he's ever hollered at a lady. Yeah. He just doesn't seem to type. So I guess in, in like, that's way common in New York. It's, it's common everywhere, but it's a big thing in New York. I mean, I believe that he's maybe never witnessed it firsthand. But I think it's the difference between, you know, the men you tell the stories to who believe you and the men you tell the stories to who don't believe you. I think that is like, yeah, I think that is like a super critical difference. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting, like in the in the last podcast, how Andrew was saying, you know, about his sort of like gut gut response or his like first response um his automatic thought is they call it in cognitive behavioral therapy right is like sort of of defensiveness it's of like you know getting uncomfortable and sort of you know getting defensive or whatever um and i think i think that defensive sort of you know mechanism can kick in in lots of different ways but ultimately like I think the difference between sort of staying there and then, or like doing something more productive with it is like, you know, the, the difference between deciding if you're going to believe somebody who's talking about their own experience or if you're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that very, very healthy people can understand that you have that automatic thought and then you need to have, those sort of coping thoughts like yeah you got to remind yourself that if somebody says that you know men are being disgusting or whatever they're not necessarily talking about you my favorite tweet on the matter is uh someone jokingly said you know the friend hashtag not all men and she responded hashtag your friend dave And it's the same thing. I think Rick knows that he is, he works. My husband, Rick knows that he, he works to, to be a good ally and to be a better person and to listen to women. And he comes to me with questions he has. He works in the tech industry. It's not very, you know, safe and welcoming to women all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, he, I think understands that he is, that, that nobody is saying it's all men and that there are good men. And there are more of them, but there are bad men and they are very bad. And also that it's not so much about like, you know, it's like for me, when I think about it, it's not so much about like an individual person, like, like, you know, one man, like whether it's Dave or whether it's, you know, somebody else, but like, I, but I think about it like more in terms of like, just like, like the dynamics of masculinity in general like when I think you know and when I think about like like what that means like to me like that means police systems like and policing that means like prison systems that mean like there's all kinds of like points of violence that are um that are like sort of masculine forms of violence and I think that's the kind of stuff that we need to address right it's not like it's not physical violence it's not always physical violence yeah and it's like and it's not just like I'm not just like walking down the street being like that dude who I've never seen before is a violent person like I'm not I'm not 
talking about that. Like I'm talking about like larger systems that sort of, you know, that dictate the fact that like, if that dude is violent, like that's going to be acceptable that like what is considered violence is, you know, a very narrow scope in comparison to what actually causes harm, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's like, it's, it's just so much of a, like it's, it's so much wider than um, this narrow way that we talk about it and where like, yeah, men just get up in arms because they think that I'm like talking about, you know, that person. It's like, well, I'm actually not talking about you, Dave. Like this is, (laughs) this is a bigger thing than that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's way bigger and you're benefiting from it. So think about that. It's easy to say that you benefit from a system, but it's harder to, to sort of explain what that means to a person because they're like I grew up around very impoverished white people like like mm-hmm. rural Ohio there were people who were upper middle class like my family and then I had friends who uh, you know kind of barely owned their house and it's cheaper to live out there so they did and their parents were unemployed or underemployed so you had those people don't feel like they benefit from a system and they don't benefit from all the systems, but they're systems that they too definitely benefit from. But like to tie it back to the music industry, I think it's easy to say in gear culture for things like gear splaining, like people are always going to tell you like, it's like without knowing your gender, even like dudes can be bad to dudes. And I think that they don't then realize that it's even worse for women. Like, oh, yeah, so so a guy told you your amp sucks. Well, guess what? Once I went into Guitar Center to sell an amp, walked up to one of the clerks with my hand out to shake his hand and introduce it myself so I could get a trade in. He walks right past me up to my now husband and says, uh, so what are we doing with these today, bro? Wow. Rick turns around and says, uh, you'll have to ask her. They're her amps. Yep. Like, I guarantee... That has not happened to a guy at Guitar Center. No. No. That's no. No, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm sure that no man at Guitar Center has ever been asked, are you buying the ca- are you sure these are the cables that he wants? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then is like tried to like, you know, be convinced out of it or, you know. I mean, I've had people try to convince me out of modifications i wanted to do like very normal not modifications like changing out the stock tuning pegs on a guitar (laughs) like no i'm 100 percent sure i want to do this like this is not like it's not like i'm telling you to uh, to put a bigsby on a vintage les paul that doesn't have one like i'm not asking you to drill into a a vintage (laughs) instrument and deface it i'm not asking you to take this guitar and then file away one of the horns on it no like this is an extraordinarily like like an aggressively average thing to do but i've still had guys try to talk me out of it or the wrong thing down and i think it's just i mean i think it's just such a power play too isn't it like it's just like i don't know i mean i haven't i haven't i i have to admit like in the guitar world because i'm in such a niche sort of part of it as a builder, you know, as somebody who has, um, like a mentor who definitely does not treat me that way and has never treated me that way. Um, 
like I like in the guitar world, like I haven't super had that experience. Like I don't find myself going into guitar stores very often, for example. Um, or if I do, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like the last time I went into a guitar store was just to buy strings. So nobody really talks to you. Um, and the time before that it was to like show a guitar I had made. So there's like, like, I don't have these like sort of, you know, experiences that you're describing, which I think are so common, but I mean, I can think about every time I go to the home Depot or every time, you know, I, walk into a bike shop and I'm looking for something it's just like yeah constantly being questioned like are you sure and it's like yeah dude I'm sure but then what I find myself like what I find happens is for example when I'm you know when I'm in my wood shop and I'm like working on something I'm constantly questioning myself I'm constantly having this experience of being like do I really know what I'm doing here? Do I like I have this like sort of ongoing like, like sort of syndrome out and it's like like imposter syndrome? Pardon me? Like yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you sort of like I take one step back and ask like how come I like how come I keep questioning myself? And it's just like, oh, cuz like at every turn there is somebody like just waiting to like question what I'm doing or question like whether I know what I'm doing or do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's just like, it becomes like completely kind of part of like, you know, it is so much a part of like our culture that it's like, it's really hard not to embody it in some way. Right. You get into those arguments in your own head. Like what well, somebody sees this and says that, I, I mean, I know you almost didn't make that guitar pink for the Vancouver guitar show. Yeah true but you did and it's beautiful and how many weird comments did you get about it i got two comments two i got two comments it's not that bad bad. and it was like one was they were both from like sort of you know men who were definitely like a generation older than me um and i wasn't i didn't like it, it did not feel like they were kind of mean-spirited in any way and I think like most importantly I don't think that I ran into anyone at that guitar show who thought I was like the partner of a man who had built it yeah and that was like one thing that I was kind of like wondering about and but I didn't like that didn't happen so like is somebody gonna think that Dion made this Yes. Or is somebody thinking like, I'm, you know, whoever, like whatever man made it is in the bathroom and I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're just, you're just there. You're the booth babe. Yeah. I'm just like holding it down for them. Cause it yeah. doesn't like my, you know, company like doesn't have my name on it or it doesn't, you know, like nothing like that. So I was kind of curious about that, but that didn't actually happen at all. Um, then one guy just say, oh, of course you brought a pink guitar. Yeah, that was what like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I, but I specifically, I, I specifically like was really, I, I didn't know if I should take a pink guitar because I didn't know. I knew, like I had talked to my friend Aaron who I do like design work with and he made the good point that he was like, if you bring a pink guitar, like there's the potential that you're making a statement and it's not bad to make a statement, but if you're going to make a statement, you should know that you're making one. And 
then I thought about like, what is that statement? Like, certainly the statement isn't as simple as I'm not a man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm bringing a guitar. But I ultimately, I think the statement was like, yeah, that like, this is, I think there's like a real stereotype around, you know, there's a stereotype around sort of, you know, who builds guitars and there's a stereotype around who, what, you know, who pink is for and who it represents. Um, and I think when I think about sort of guitars that have historically kind of been built for women, I think about those like Daisy guitars and things like that, like these toys. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it was like, uh, I don't know. I think the statement I hoped to make maybe, um, I mean, truth be told, I just like that color, but, um, the, you know, the, the, I guess the risk was that, um, the guitar might be seen as a toy and, but I, I don't, I don't think that it was. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that anybody who picked up that guitar and played it thought it was a toy. I mean, it's yeah. very lightweight for sure, but when you plug it in, it, I thought it played really, really nicely. I thought it felt really balanced. Um, obviously I liked it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> so it's definitely kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to knock Daisy guitars because I feel like they came from a good place. I mean, it's not like uh, the company was started by a man who thought like he should make some guitars specifically for women. It's founded by a woman. Cool. But I think another experience a lot of women who play guitar have had is going into a guitar center and then being directed to the Daisy guitars. But you're like, but I like, but I like this right. kind of guitar. Like I want to play this like I like uh, if, if you like Metallica maybe you want to play an Explorer for some reason like you want to play the guitars that again that that your heroes played especially when you're younger and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that but it's very exciting to see people building new shapes because I think that a lot of um, builders really rely on the Telecaster shapes and the Stratocaster shapes and the Jazzmaster shapes and they're great shapes, but I mean, they've been done. And I know that you talk about those old Japanese guitars and how unique they were. And there aren't a ton of people doing that as I, I mean, I don't want to say aggressively, but kind of aggressively doing something that's, <laughs> different but also very aesthetically pleasing yeah I I get the sense though and maybe you get this perception too I'm not sure um I get the sense that like we're actually part of like a a trend right now that's happening where there is um where there is like a lot kind of more of that happening. Like when you think about the Vancouver guitar show, there was a bunch of electric builders, but there wasn't anybody that was making factory copies. Like there wasn't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if they were the same shape, they were completely different, like made out of metal. Totally, totally. Or like, like people were like doing a lot in terms of like milling their own like metals, their own parts, like 
you know, different kind of inlays, like gorgeous inlays at that event. Totally, totally. And I think like, I don't know. So like, I'm really encouraged by that actually, because I think there's a trap that comes in if we think that like Dion and I talk about this, Dion, my shop mate and my mentor, like we sort of talk about this a lot. Like when there's this idea that at some point in the past was the golden age of guitar building, I think that we, and anything generally speaking, um, when we sort of think about that and, and not think about like the present day as being like, you know, a golden age of guitar building. I think we, we, we run ourselves into a trap where we're either, um, limiting our own creativity or we're sort of not recognizing all the resources that are actually available to us. There's, you know, I mean, there's, we have so much more access to materials. We have so much more access to what was done in the past, what worked beautifully, which we can still do and what we can improve on. Like there's, you have so much access to an audience. Exactly. Like, it's just like, to me, I think this, this is the golden age and it's going to continue. And I think like, I just, I see in the acoustic world and in the electric world, there is like, there are just like more sort of like modern builders, like coming up with different materials, different techniques, like all this kind of stuff. Like, and I think, yeah, I just, I, I think that's really promising. Like, I mean, how many guitars at the, there was two acoustic guitars anyways, Nicole Alazanax and um, Tom Sands guitars, but also Joel Michaud, who is a builder um, from Calgary, but lives in Montreal and builds their acoustic guitars who used metal in their acoustic guitars. Like I had never seen that before, but that's like, that's a fairly new thing. And they were gorgeous like I don't know I think there's like there's there's just in terms of engineering but also in terms of aesthetics there's just so much more we can do I think I think you're right I think it's a great time for music I think it's a great time for builders guitar builders and pedal builders like I think there's really unique companies out there um and I think it's a great time for diversity and I think it's only going to get better the more confidence women have to push themselves out there with communities like she shreds, you know, with communities like Tom, Tom mag for drummers. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. And I'm glad to be some sort of part of it. Oh, totally. You are. I mean, totally. You are. You're so like, you're in it. Like you're just like writing about it, promoting it, like participating in it in so many ways you built your own pedal. Like, yeah, you're definitely, (laughs) I did do that. Yeah. You know, like I was just talking to you the other day off, off, um, off the phones and off the the podcast that, uh, the past couple of years, my resolution has been to consume less and create more. And I think I'm actually doing a pretty good job at it. It's so cool. I just, I admire that a lot. Yeah. I mean, you, you create a lot too. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Oh, you know, you know what we didn't talk about on the um, uh, on the last podcast is what we were drinking. I thought we were going to talk about. That. <laughs> I finished mine. I have a lemon bubbly water though. Uh, earlier, I had a drink that I made <laughs> with lemon lavender shrubs, 
some lemon uh, sparkling water and some gin. Oh my gosh, that sounds good. I had pretty good. I had just like um, because it's October. Oh no, it's September, which means that it's been snowing for a week here. Um, what? Yeah, I had a hot water bottle in my sweater, and I had a <laughs> cup of uh, I had a cup of hot water with honey, and then I also had a glass of uh, kombucha that I had made mixed with um, some apple juice from apples in my garden. That but, sounds so good. Yeah, it was really nice. I don't usually like mix the two, but I've let my kombucha go like way too far. Basically. A little strong, a little. <laughs> I need well, fermented. to cut it. Cut it. That's yeah. sweet. I get that. Rick was so happy. Uh, we got to pick the apples from our trees the other day. Oh, that's so nice. Everyone told us don't expect don't expect any apples in the first three years, and we got them the first year. Oh, that's so great. So it's only going to go up from there. Yeah, the trees are. are <laughs> The trees are columars, so they are literally only going to grow up. They they don't grow out very much, which means we won't have to like keep hiring somebody to come over and like cut them away from the power lines and stuff. Oh right. Okay. So wait a second. So they but do they get like very tall? Like, or are you going to have to like climb up on a ladder? I think they really maybe high? get seven feet. Oh shoot! That's awesome. Yeah, that's not so bad. No, that's easy. Yeah. So we're really we're really excited um, for that. He's Rick likes apples. I'm kind of allergic to them. Like <laughs> oh, I won't. It's not like an anaphylactic reaction. It's not like a puke reaction. Like when I have soy or cherries, but um, I have something called oral allergy syndrome, where some raw fruits and vegetables, my body thinks they're allergens, but they're not. So they just kind of give me a stomach ache and they make my mouth itch. And I remember when I realized that this was not a normal thing to happen to people, I was 20, 19 or 20 and I was sitting uh, with a roommate one summer day eating an apple and I look up at her and I said, isn't it weird how apples make your mouth itch? And the look she gave me was all I needed to know that that was not normal. <laughs> Oh, that's a real bummer. So if you, okay, so if your tree starts producing lots and lots of apples, like, are you going to make like cider and like... Yeah, I can do cider. I can do like baked apples. I mean, I can eat, if I peel it, it's not so bad. Wow. Okay. It's like most of whatever is confusing my body is in the peel. Yeah. Okay. uh, (laughs) Yeah. A little uh, weird, weird piece of science. It's like, she looked at me... As if I had like called the sky green. <laughs> it was great. It was a good moment for me. She was probably really high. She sold drugs. <laughs> she, she sold that cheap weed to college kids. I was not one of the customers. Oh my God. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, Layla, uh, somehow our miniature episode has become even longer than the first one. Full so this might just be a bonus episode uh, i'll leave that up to andrew he might okay. he might edit a couple things out uh, yeah just did i say that oh yeah yeah i said the the thing that that guy said to me in that group can you just like imagine yeah. even saying like i have a potty mouth but i cannot imagine saying
Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I said it again. I hope he leaves it in and just bleeps it. I was on a podcast like months ago and I somehow didn't swear at all. And I said, you guys just, you should just bleep every adjective and it, everyone would just believe that I actually said a swear word. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that's very funny. Well, we'll leave it to Andrew, but yeah, that was, I mean, you know, I had such a nice evening chatting. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. It's always a pleasure, Layla. Uh, we hope to have you on again and oh, I hope you too. have a great time in Montreal. Yes, I leave on Thursday, and um, yeah, I'll send you updates. Nice. Do you speak French? Nope. <laughs> you say no. No. But no. I, think, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> you say no, je ne parle pas le français. <laughs> no, je ne parle pas français. Oui. all right i'll talk to you later and to everyone listening i can't believe you're still here (laughs) bye bye